Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. This is the third week in a row where I'm preaching on the topic of faith. Uh, So for those of you who were here the last couple weeks, you'll recall that in the first week, sort of gave a structural analysis, if you will, to what we might call an act of human faith. When another human being comes to us and they reveal to us hidden information that we do not have access to and we're left with a decision to believe them, not believe them, or adopt a sort of waffling opinion stance. Then last week I talked about sort of the structure of an act of divine faith, where instead of another human being coming to us, we have God who comes to us, who reveals to us hidden information that we do not have access to, such as aspects of his interior life, that he's a trinity of persons, for example. And then we're left with a decision. We either believe him, we don't believe him, or we adopt this middle position of sort of staking an opinion, sort of this waffling, doubtful middle. And this week I said that I would talk uh, about the virtue of faith. The virtue of faith is when someone is ready, sort of at the ready, to make an act of divine faith, to make an act of trust in God in a particular area. So someone who is highly virtuous, who possesses the virtue of faith to a high degree, that will be manifested in a couple of distinct ways. Number one, when their faith is tested in some way, they will be able to make an act of faith very quickly. There will be very little delay where they have to sort of, sort of waffle with, with whether they're able to trust God in this particular moment, to have faith in Him. So they'll be able to make an act of faith quickly. And then second of all, that act of faith will be very deep or complete, right? It it won't be an act of faith that that carries with it sort of some hesitation. Uh, it'll, It'll be full and complete. So somebody who is highly virtuous in this arena of faith, Whenever their faith is tested, they'll be able to make an act of faith in God quickly and, and fully. So that's kind of what we're, what we're looking at today. And of all the things that God has spoken to us, that He has revealed to us, all these pieces of information that are the object of the virtue of faith, some of these doctrines or dogmas seem to play more uh, intimately, if you will, with our concrete daily life than others, which may seem more removed. Now, all the doctrines and dogmas uh, that God has revealed to us, all these pieces of information that He's given to us, primarily through His Son, Jesus, all of these things should pertain to our daily life, but there are some where it's more obvious than others. So some of these doctrines, some of these truths that God has revealed to us, that we may not find ourselves being tested with 
very often, if at all, throughout our life would be things, for example, like the Trinity. Okay, God comes and throughout Scripture, He slowly reveals to us that He is a Trinity of persons in one substance, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, on a daily basis, it's probably not the case that you're going to be tempted in a significant way to doubt that truth of the faith. It may happen, but that's probably not a common occurrence. Another doctrine that would maybe fall into this category of, of easy, you know, easy doctrines to, to make an act of faith in would be something like uh, the human and divine natures of Christ. The fact that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man is probably not a truth of the faith that we get tested on on a daily basis. Another one you might think of would be the fact that Jesus himself instituted all seven sacraments, no more, no less. Probably not a daily occurrence where you're tested to doubt that particular doctrine or truth of the faith. Now, on the other side of the coin, there are truths of the faith that God has revealed to us that do get tested more frequently. For example, the fact that God reveals His very nature to be love, that we read in the New Testament that God is love, this will be tested pretty much any time we encounter some sort of significant suffering. That truth that God has spoken to us, that He is love, often will become the object of doubt, or we will be tempted in that direction when suffering comes to find us. Lord, how is it that you're both love and you allow me to feel this suffering and pain right now? Those don't seem to fit. So we'll be tempted to lack faith in that particular doctrine, the fact that God is love. Or you take the Beatitudes, for example, which are about as counterintuitive as it gets when it comes to what produces happiness. Right? Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are... Right? Another way to translate that is, is happy are you poor, happy are you meek, happy are you... you know. Take, for example, one of the most dramatic that Jesus says, blessed are you when people hate you. <laughs> blessed are you when people hate you. That is something that came out of the mouth of God Himself. <laughs> now, when you're in a circumstance where someone literally hates you, you're going to be strongly tempted to doubt the truth of what Jesus spoke there. <laughs> You'll be strongly tempted to lack faith. Really, Lord? This is supposed to be a blessing? <laughs> what I'm experiencing right now? Or even just take the, the truth, the doctrine of God's divine providence that every single tiny thing that ever happens on the face of the earth from the beginning of time to the end of time comes from God's providence in some way. And that any evil thing that He allows to ever happen in the history of mankind is only because He is going to produce some good from it. That can be something that is tested on almost a daily basis. Really, God, Your providence is guiding this thing in my life where it seems like you're nowhere to be found. Really, Lord, your providence is guiding this and that and this other thing. So these are truths of the faith where 
perhaps on a more daily basis, our faith will be tested and it will be revealed what the depth of our virtue is in this regard. How strong is, is my virtue of faith? So now I just want to offer you all two, two ways to grow in the virtue of faith. How do we expand this virtue in our life? Take, for example, those truths that God is love and that he only allows evil so that good may come of it. Those are going to be tested whenever we encounter any difficult situation, any painful situation, any situation of suffering. Those truths of the faith are going to be tested. So as I was thinking of what example might be the best one here, I decided just to, just to draw the points as clearly as possible. I'd give you maybe one of the more dramatic images that I could think of. Where, where these truths of the faith, your faith in them would be tested. So take, for example, an, an unhappy marriage. This can be one of the most painful experiences that, that anyone can go through, is, is an unhappy marriage. You could use, you know, more strong language, but you get the idea of, of what I'm describing when I talk about an, an unhappy marriage. Constant bickering, constant fighting, very few, if any, acts of love or service from spouse to spouse. No time together. Constant brooding. Constant resentment. Right? This is an unhappy marriage and it's an extremely painful situation. In that situation, there would be severe temptations to begin to doubt the truth that God is love and to doubt the truth that God can, does bring good from every evil. Be strongly tempted to doubt those truths of the faith. So thinking about this example, how could someone in this situation actually grow in the virtue of faith versus let it diminish or disappear entirely? So I'll give you two ways. The, the first way is to attempt to constantly in that situation, make just simply acts of trust and surrender to God. You say, Lord, I don't fully comprehend how this situation matches up with, you know, the fact that you're loved. I, my, I can't get my brain around how you're going to bring good or, out of this situation. But nonetheless, I trust you. <laughs> I trust that you see the whole picture even when I can't. I, sur I surrender to the fact that, that your knowledge is, is, much, is infinitely greater than mine. So just constant acts of trust and surrender to the Lord throughout the day. And to help us do that in a situation such as, such as an unhappy marriage, to help someone make those continuous acts of trust in God, it's helpful to recall why he's trustworthy to begin with. Like, memory plays a significant role in salvation history. If you read the Bible, God is constantly telling His people, remember what I did for you there. Remember how I fulfilled that promise. Don't forget. Don't have memory loss. Remember, remember, remember all the things I've done for you. In Egypt, at the Red Sea, when I removed these peoples from the land of Canaan. Remember, remember, remember. The same with us, in a situation where we are going to be tempted to lack faith that God is love, that He brings good from evil, 
The way we can continue making those acts of trust in Him is to remember all the things He's done in the past to be faithful to His Word. And especially, I would say, to remember the cross. That is the ultimate proof that God's not in any of this for Himself and that He loves us to a preeminent degree. So in those moments where we find it hard to entrust a situation, some sort of suffering to God, to say, Lord, I I trust that that you know what you're doing. You're going to bring good out of this. Remember how he's been faithful in the past. Think back to his his faithfulness. How he's never made a promise and, and not fulfilled it. And think above all of the cross. So that's the first way that we can grow in the virtue of faith when it's tested is continually making acts of faith in God. Simple enough. The second thing I would say is that in a moment like that, it's helpful to try, as difficult as it may be, to identify and name specific good things that could come from this painful situation or this suffering. If, we, if we're able to begin naming, oh, that good thing could come from this situation, it becomes much, much easier then for our faith to grow. Because what's happening there is we're beginning to see a situation through the eyes of God. Not from a merely human or natural point of view. We're beginning to look at reality through a supernatural point of view, which often is very different very different from the normal way we would look at something. So take someone in an unhappy marriage. What is the natural worldly way for someone to look at that situation? What are they thinking to themselves when they think about the reality of their unhappy marriage? They're thinking things like, what did I do to deserve this? I can't stand being around this person. They're, they're thinking, you know, this, this isn't what I signed up for. Those are the sorts of thoughts going through someone who, who is looking at the situation from a purely worldly point of view. Now, someone who has the virtue of faith to a deep degree, what kinds of things are going through their mind as they look at the reality of their unhappy marriage? Many things. For example, they may see that this situation is the most preeminent opportunity that they will ever have to become a saint. That's one way that they might look at this situation and see how good can come of it. Lord, I will never get an opportunity like this ever again in my life to become heroically virtuous. An opportunity will never come across my path that is dripping more with possibilities of real holiness than heroically persevering in this unhappy marriage. Someone beginning to see it with the eyes of faith, that's a thought that might be revealed to them by God because that's certainly one of the ways that God looks at it. Another aspect that the Lord might reveal to somebody who's really trying to find the good that could come from from this evil is 
the Lord might reveal to them, listen, I'm, I'm giving you, my son or daughter, a privileged opportunity to feel just a little bit of what I feel every day from all of my children. Because all of us, what do we do? The Lord offers us perfect love, and, and we, we spurn Him, we're indifferent to Him, we're ungrateful. And He feels that. He feels that pain. So someone who's trying to see the good that could come from something as bad as an unhappy marriage, they might discover that as another good, oh, what a privileged opportunity I have in this marriage to feel a little bit of what Jesus feels all the time. And what a privilege it is to be invited by Him to share in His suffering in this way. Another thing that might cross the mind of somebody in an unhappy marriage who's trying to see it from God's perspective is they may think to themselves, well, I could offer up this pain to atone for my own sins. What a wonderful thing. It's a lot easier, friends, to atone for our sins in this life than in purgatory. It would be way worse. <laughs> way more painful in purgatory. So somebody who's seeing this unhappy marriage through the eyes of faith, they may think to themselves, what an incredible opportunity I have here to atone, to make amendments, right? To make right all the sins that I've committed in my life. <clears throat> and if they know the faith well, they've studied the faith well, they may also have an awareness of what they actually deserve, strictly speaking, because of their sins. This is pretty dramatic to say, but it's true. What do we deserve in strict justice? What do we deserve because of our sins? We deserve hell. That, that's what we deserve. This is why the mercy of God is so great, that He offers us freedom from that. And so the person in this situation might think to themselves, well, this treatment that I'm receiving from my spouse, this is far less than what I actually deserve because of my sins. And the Lord has granted me a great mercy here <laughs> to be able to not only see the situation in that light, but even to be grateful for the chance to atone for my sins. Right. Finally, you know, last but not least, the person in this situation who's trying to see the good that can come from the evil of this this unhappy marriage, God willing, at least at some point, the thought would cross their mind, well, my spouse does have an eternal soul. <laughs> I do care about people's salvation. If I can stay joyful in the midst of, of this deep suffering and pain that I'm experiencing, maybe, just maybe, the Lord will use that to win them over to win them over, for them to experience... This is presuming, of course, that the other person is more at fault than <laughs> you are. Usually there's sort of a mixture, right? But, you know, let's presume that the, the, other, the other party in this instance is just so, so, so far from the Lord, so wrapped up in pride. And the other person thinks to himself, maybe, just maybe, if I can give them a witness of joy despite the way they're treating me, maybe they'll be won over. 
maybe they'll experience a conversion, right? See how different the way of looking at a situation like that is for someone with faith versus someone without faith. Without a strong virtue of faith, a situation like that seems all but hopeless. You're knocking at the door of despair. For someone with a strong virtue of faith, they can strive to, and with God's help, they'll be able to see the good things that could come from it. And this is what the Lord wants us to do for everything in our life. To begin trying to see every reality in our life through His perspective, which is often almost the exact opposite of the way we naturally tend to look at these, these various realities in our life. So those are the two, the two practical things I would say is just in these moments where your faith is tested in one of these truths, make acts of faith, of trust, of surrender, of abandonment to God. Say to Him, Lord, You can see everything. You can see the big picture. I can't, so I trust You. Lord, You've been faithful to Your promises in the past, so I trust You. Lord, You proved Your love for me on the cross, so I trust You. I don't lean on my own understanding. I lean on You. That's the, that's the first thing we need to do. And the second is to try and, try and exercise a, a sort of spiritual thought process where we try and see what good things uh, could come out of, out of this situation of being tested, situation of, of suffering, uh, of suffering or, or difficulty. So we know that it's not easy to grow in the virtue of faith. Um, and as I mentioned last week, it's always a grace from God. An act of divine faith requires grace. So, so above all, let us ask the Lord today for an increase of grace um, so that we might uh, grow in, into people of, of deep and abiding faith.